Welcome to our class on Chassidus. We're going to be learning this week a beautiful Chassidic discourse from the Rebbe. The name of the Chassidic discourse is called Tzion B'mishpatipode. The Rebbe said this Chassidic discourse on Shabbos Parshas Dvarim, which was Shabbos Chazoin, Erev Tishbav, in the year Tavshin Memalef, 40 years ago. In the year Tavshin Memches, Seven years later, the Rebbe certified and edited this Chassidic Discourse in honor of Shabbos Chazoin 33 years ago. So the Chassidic Discourse is based on the verse, Tzioin b'mishpati padeh It's a verse from the prophet Isaiah, which we say in the Avtorah from the Shabbos, Shabbos Chazoin, that Tzioin, which we'll soon learn that what does Tzioin, mean, what does tzioin actually mean, but Tzioin, whatever Tzioin means, the Mishpat will be redeemed with, with justice. The Shavel, and we'll soon ser- learn that the Shavel has many, many insights. But whatever Shavel means will redeem with Tzdaka um, with, with, with charity, with kindness of Hashem. So the Rebbe Rashab, the fifth Chabad Rebbe, in a Chassidic discourse based on this verse, in the year Tafresh Ayin Dalid, he explains as follows. The verse says, Tzion. What does Tzion mean? So he says that there's many insights what Tzion means. But in this verse he's saying that Tzion is not referring to the city of Tzion. And it's also not referring to the people that live exclusively in the city of Tzion. But it's referring to all the Jewish people. So if, if Tzion over here is referring to all the Jewish people, so why does it say Tzion? Why specifically the, the, the word Tzion? Second question that he asks is, why does it say Bishaveha? Who are the captives? In other words, in other words, there is one insight that says that Tzion is referring to the city, and Shaveh is the people in the city. But based on the insight that Tzion is referring to all the Jewish people, so what is Shaveh referring to? What is Tzion referring to, and what is Shaveh referring to? And as why is he using the term Tzion as referring to everybody? And then what's the difference between Tzion and that we're both ca- All the Jewish people are captives. Also, when it comes to Tzion, what does it say? How are we going to be redeemed? But Mishpat, with justice. And when it comes to Shaveha, the captives, it says, how are we going to be redeemed? With Tzedakah, with charity. What's, what, what's the difference? So the Rebbe explains as follows. He brings from the uh, Rebbe Rashab, from next discourse, he also brings from the notes of the Tzemach Tzedek on this verse, and he says that Tzioin, when the verse says Tzioin, it's not referring to the city, it's not referring to all the Jewish people, but it's referring to specifically the Jewish people that learn Torah and do mitzvahs. So if that's the case, why use the term, what's the connection with Tzioin? Because Tzioin is a mark. And what does that mean? That they're Marked of Tzion, they have a great mark, an excellent mark in terms of learning Torah and doing mitzvahs. So Tzion is reference to what someone that learns Torah and does mitzvahs. And the reason why you're called Tzion because you have a nice Tzion, a nice mark, a mark of learning Torah and doing mitzvahs. And the Rebbe brings from the Rebbe Rashab and the Semach Sadek to prove this point. They bring from the Talmud Yerushalmi. 
The Talmud Yerushalmi brings a verse from the prophets that says, the Asim, the prophet Isaiah, the Asim Dvarai Beficha, I'll put my words in your mouth. Obetel Yodek Sisicha, I'll protect you with my hands. Lintoya Shamayim Lisoid Aretz, the one that uh, uh, planted the, the heaven and, and the one that made the earth. The Lamar, Litsiyoin Amiyatin, she's going to tell the Tsiyoin that you're my nation. So you see, in this verse, they also refer to the Jewish people as Tsiyoin. So the Talmud Yerushalmi says, we look through all the, all the verses in the Torah and the prophets, and we don't find anywhere that the Jewish people should be called Tsiyoin. Or the Tsiyoin, Yoimar Amiyatin, he's saying to Tsiyoin that you're my nation. So we all know the Rebbe says to know the explanation that this verse is referring to two, three components. Which three components? The components that the world stands on. We know the world stands on three pillars: Torah, learning Torah, prayer, and Gemilz Chasadim, doing acts of kindness, which is referring to generally all the mitzvahs. And he and he explains the first part of the verse where it says my words in your mouth. What's my words? Referring to Torah. I'm going to cover you with my hands. What, what protects the Jewish people? Doing mitzvahs. That's our garments. What holds up the heaven and the earth? That's when a person does the sacrifices. And say we don't have the sacrifice, so we pray instead. This is from the, from the Talmud Yerushalmi. So then he says, and we don't find anywhere where Jewish people are called Sion. Why? Because why are they called Tzion over here? Because over here it's referring to the Jewish people that learn Torah, pray, and do mitzvahs. So you see from the Talmud Yerushalmi a proof that when it says Tzion, what is it referring to? The Jewish people that learn Torah, pray, and do mitzvahs. So now we have insight into, based on the Rabbi Rashab and the Tzamech Tzadek, when it says Tzion v'mishpatipada what is the expression of Tzion? It's referring to the Jewish people, but specifically those that are learning Torah, praying and doing mitzvahs. V'shaveha so who are the ones that are held captive? Those that are not learning Torah and doing mitzvahs and praying. And why are they called captives? Because they are in captivity. Because they're in captivity into the body and the animal soul. They don't have the, the freedom to go ahead and learn Torah and pray and do mitzvahs. The body's holding them back. The animal soul's holding them back. And that's the, that's the, 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 the insight into the verse. Of Tzion v'mishpatipada v'shavah v'tzdaka. In other words, that Tzion, again, those that learn Torah and pray and do mitzvahs, v'mishpatipada. They're going to be redeemed in, with, with, with proper justice. Why? Because they're learning Torah. They're praying and they do mitzvahs. It's appropriate they should be redeemed. However, v'shaveha, those that are held captive, that means they're not learning Torah, they're not doing mitzvahs, they're not praying. So how are they going to be redeemed? V'shaveha is going to be in a way of tzedakah. Hashem is going to do chesed and, 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 and redeem them. Now, so the question is, what does that mean? Hashem is going to redeem, redeem them without, without anything? We know that in order to be redeemed, even if you're, you're, you're held captive in the body and the animal soul, you have to do tshuva, you have to return to Hashem, you have to repent. As we know, the famous uh, the verse that says, the Israel and the God and the Jewish people are not redeemed only with tshuva. You have to repent. And the Torah promises us that the end will be before Mashiach comes, everyone's going to do tshuva, everyone's going to return to Hashem, and one time, once we return to Hashem, we're going to be redeemed right away. So, so is it tzedakah, or is it tshuva? 
And Rebbe explains very, very simple. The truth is they really are connected. Why? Because the fact that Hashem is going to allow us to do tshuva and return to Him, well, oh my gosh, I'm sorry, we're returning to you, so why should, why should Hashem accept it? That is tzedakah. In other words, the fact that tshuva atones, the fact that when we say I'm sorry, the fact that when we return to Hashem, that atones us, that comes from a place of tzedakah. V'shaveha, the ones that are held captive, means we're not learning Torah, we're not doing mitzvahs, we're not praying, and when v'shaveha, when we return to Hashem, because you need tshuva, that is tzedakah, that is a gift from Hashem, chesed and tzedakah from Hashem that allows us to, to, do, to do tshuva. Now, so seemingly, what do we have so far? Tzian is referring to those that learn Torah, pray, and do mitzvahs, and we're going to be redeemed. Because we're learning Torah, we're praying, we're doing mitzvahs. Vishaveha, those that are held captive, they're not doing what they're supposed to, we're going to do tshuva, and Hashem is going to do chesed and return us. So seemingly, what's higher? Seemingly, the ones that are learning Torah. The ones that are praying, they're doing everything right. But nevertheless, Rebbe says, nevertheless, which is really counterintuitive, that the ones that are being redeemed through justice, because they're learning Torah, and so to speak, it's owed to them, <coughs> is on a lower level than those that are going to be redeemed, but Shaveha, but stuck, and Hashem is going to take them back just because they did true at the end. Why? Why is that? And it explains very simple. What is Mishpat? Mishpat means you're coming with a case. Hey, Hashem, I'm learning Torah, I'm praying, I'm doing mitzvahs, and therefore redeem me. So it's a calculation. It's one plus one is two. So therefore the redemption in the words of Kabbalah is called Medida Bahagbala. It's limited. It's it's limited, it's finite. However, when Hashem is taking you out because he did tshuva, who's taking you out? Because you earned it or Hashem decided to take you out as, as a gift? Hashem decided. So when Hashem is deciding to take you out as a gift, it's without limits, without bounds. In other words, Mishpat, when you come and you say, hey, it, I, it's justified I should be taken out of Gullus. Okay, it's a light that's measured into a vessel. You know, as we're making a calculation, you know what, you know what, you learned, and you prayed, and you did mitzvahs, oh, you have to go out. On the other hand, when tzedakah means, you know, Hashem, I botched up, I was not perfect, and I'm doing true, I'm returning to you. So when, when tzedakah kicks in, it's not a rational thing. So that comes from a level of a light which is above limits. <clears throat> in other words, so therefore, someone that's a tzaddik and someone that's being, being redeemed because they went ahead and they learned their whole life and they prayed and they didn't mitzvah, so the light that they're getting is a light that's limited to the vessel. In other words, like this. Why is it that tzion, someone that learns Torah and prays and does mit, and mitzvahs, Bimishbat, a justify they should be redeemed. Bimishbat Why is that? There's two components. One is because they don't need tzedakah. They just don't need it. They learned. They prayed. They did mitzvahs. Time for redemption. Hashem, take me out. Voila. They don't need to come onto a very powerful light. It's not about bad and good. Because what they're saying is they don't need the tzedakah. They don't need the infinite light. They did their job and they're ready to get. They're ready to go out of Gullus. That's one reason. Another reason is because when it comes to mishpat, when it comes to justice, in the world of justice, charity doesn't 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 apply. 
And not only doesn't apply, it's actually opposite of charity. Why? Because we know what the Torah says clearly. You're coming dealing with justice? Don't give favors. Don't play favoritism. And Rashi actually explains on that verse. Don't say this person is poor and I have to go ahead and help this person. No. If you're dealing with justice, there's no room for tzedakah. There's no room for charity. There's no room for doing things, you know, just because. If we're dealing with justice. So in other words, since you're dealing with tzioin, someone that learns Torah and prays and does mitzvahs, so A, he doesn't need the tzedakah. B, tzedakah is inappropriate there. But what kind of light is going to take him out of Golos? But Mishpat, a finite light. On the other hand, someone that didn't learn, didn't pray, and didn't do mitzvahs, guess what? He needs tzedakah. He needs that powerful light to take him out. And matter of fact, it's the only thing that's going to take him out. So therefore, the light that's, 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 that's brought, drawn in for about tshuva, but you have to do tshuva. I'm returning to Hashem. That light is a level of tzedakah. And that light is coming from the powerful light, which is totally disconnected from the world, a much more and greater, greater powerful light. Okay, so let's recap. So far, the Rebbe brought the teaching of the Rebbe, the Tzemach Tzedek, the third Chabad Rebbe, and the Rebbe Rasham, the fifth Chabad Rebbe, and the way they explain the verse, Tzioin v'mishpatipada v'shaveya b'tzedakah, that the first half of the verse is referring to Tzioin, someone that learns Torah, someone that prays, someone that does mitzvahs, B'mishpat, they will just, justifiably be taken out from exile. Voila. Not an infinite light. Rishaveha, someone that unfortunately is held captive, he's not learning Torah, not praying, not doing mitzvahs. So Mishpat's not going to help the person. So you need tzedakah. What's a tzedakah? They're going to do tshuva. A person does tshuva, returns to Hashem, and Hashem allows tshuva to be accepted. It's a gift from Hashem, a gift from tzedakah. And that is a very, very powerful in, in, infinite light. That is, so far he brings to the Rebbe Shabbat so one insight. Now there is bringing another insight. In, not in the first half of the verse, in the second half of the verse. What's the second half of the verse? So, Veshaveha, which we, before we explained, Veshaveha is referring to someone that's held captive, and basically they're not learning, they're not praying, not doing mitzvahs, and they're reading with, with Zedakah. That was before. Now we're learning a new chapter, chapter 3, and over here there was going to give another insight in Shaveh. What does Shaveh mean? Shaveh comes from the word of Hashava. Hashava means you're returning a lost object. What does that mean? You're taking someone that's lost in exile. Someone knows, before we learned... Rishavez held captive. Why they held captive, we learned before, because they held captive in the animal soul, in the body. Here there was explained, no, no, no. Lost in exile, they're lost. And you have to take them out from where they're lost from. And as what does that mean you're returning something? And especially when saying, before, first half of the verse says, in the first half of the verse, you have to be redeemed. And the second half is that they're lost. What does that mean they're lost? Their place is not here. Lost means, this is not my place. I want to go back home. I belong home. I'm lost over here in exile. And I happen to be in another place, which happens to be called Gullus. And I want to go back to my place. Now, so the Shaveha, based on this insight, it's not that I'm held captive here. I don't belong here. I'm like lost. What am I doing here? 
I belong with Hashem in heaven. I belong in a holy place. I don't belong in Gullus. I'm not here. This is not me. I'm, I'm, this is not where I live. So therefore, based on this, that Rishaveha means I'm lost here. This is not my place. So, <clears throat> since this is not my place, it's actually a higher level of seeing someone that learns Torah, praise, and does mitzvahs. That has to be redeemed. Vishaveh, I don't belong here. I, I'm not connected to this place. And was, uh, according to this insight, Vishaveh is actually a higher level than Tzim Mishra Tipada. Why? Because what does Tzim Mishra Tipada mean? What does it mean you have to redeem someone? That means someone's in Golos. They got involved in Golos. They got engaged in Golos. They got engaged in exile. And they're stuck in Golos. And guess what? They have to be redeemed out of here. However, when someone's with Shabbat, they're lost. They're not involved here. They're lost. They never, they never anchored here. They don't belong here. They just want to get home. They're just in the wrong place. But the only thing is, you have to take them out of. You have to take them out of here. But the first half of the verse says, "Tifda, you have to take me, Mishra No, I got too involved. I'm stuck here. I need help to go out. So, based on this, based on this, to be clear. Tziyam b'mishpatada means the first half, someone is learning Torah and doing mitzvahs and praying, but nebuch, they, they, they're stuck in Golos. Because Golos became real to them. Golos is their home. The second half of Shaveho means, I don't belong here, I'm not here. Take me out. I'm in a high, this, this whole Golos has nothing to do with me. Which means that you're on a higher level. So based on this, you're asked the question, uh, if we're saying that the first half of the verse means they, they're involved in Golos and they have to be tipoda, they have to be taken out <clears throat> and the second half of the verse so what does that mean if, if, if tipoda means that they got engrossed in Golos Golos became their home so what, what does it mean, what, what's the justice to take them out you got involved in Golos why Bemishbat? true you're learning Torah and you're praying you're doing mitzvahs but Golos became your home exile became your reality so why tipoda on the other hand, Bishaveha, someone that's not here. They don't even belong here. So what's the, what is the big sucker you taking them out? They're not even here. What, what does it mean that you what kind of charity are you doing to take them out? They don't even belong here to begin with. They never even they never got entrenched in Gaulus in exile. So we have to understand what it means. Also, who are the two different type of people who are saying Tipoda, one person has got involved and you got to rip them out. And the other one, Shabbat, they never got involved. In other words, Tipoda is referring to what? Someone that's Tzion. And we said, we, we what, what type of people is it? Someone that learns Torah and prays and does mitzvahs. So how is someone that prays and learns Torah and does mitzvahs so to speak entrenched in Gullus? And they have to be actually redeemed from here. If they're learning Torah and praying in the mitzvahs, they don't have to be redeemed. But on the other hand, it says Tipah, they do have to be redeemed. Someone's learning Torah and praying in the mitzvahs, why does it have to be redeemed? And then the biggest question is, these people, that they're lost here, who are these powerful people? The notorious people. They never got, in, they never got entrenched in Gullus. Okay, so you see the Rebbe's up to something very, very revolutionary, and he's going to revolutionize insight into this verse. In order to do this, Rebbe's going to give us a very, very powerful introduction. And the Rebbe says we're going to understand this, it's a deep idea. Anytime you have a deep, deep idea, the Rebbe gives a huge introduction. He says like this. And the Rebbe explains that 
<clears throat> this whole idea of Golos, exile, and being captive in, in, in exile, only applies to vessels. It knows like this. The concept of Golos, the concept of being in exile, the concept of being held captive in exile only applies to vessels, the keli, the vessel. Why? Because a keli is a something. When there's a something, something can become an exile. However, when you're dealing with oil, when you're dealing with light, what is light by default? Light by default is nothing. True nothing. So if you're dealing with the light, and you're dealing with something which is nothing, in nothing there's no exile. So to be clear, we have to, we're learning now a revolutionary idea. You always have, in life, you have the light, and you have the vessel. The light, what's the light? The light is nothing. It's connected to the infinite Hashem. The vessel's already something that's holding the light. Something could be in exile. Nothing can be in exile. So Golos, anytime you're dealing with exile, you're dealing with a challenge, you're dealing with a struggle, it's not in the light. It's in the vessel. Light doesn't have any challenges. Light doesn't have any struggles. Light is connected to Hashem. So when you're connected to the light, there's no Golos. Unfortunately, you get involved in the vessels, in the something, then there's exile. And Rebbe says, this idea that in the light there's no Golos, Rebbe says you can understand this very, very simply. And he gives a simple example. Because we all know there's something which is called light, and there's darkness. There's physical light, there's spiritual light, there's physical darkness, spiritual darkness... So there's an expression that says, Mi'at oir, a little bit of light, pushes away a lot of darkness. Now the question is, what do you mean? How is it that a little bit of light can push away a lot of darkness? And the answer is very simple, yes. Because light is so powerful that even a little bit of light can push away a lot of darkness. Because darkness is exile, light, there's no exile there. And since light is so powerful, it can push away a lot of darkness. It's not one for one. Light is much more powerful. So on one hand, you can say, what do you mean? But the light is also finite. And everybody says, no. Even after the light, the infinite light came down to this world, and it's a finite light, and it's a measured light, and as we say, we're calling it a finite light, a small amount of light, or you're calling it a big amount of light. Even a small light, that means we're not talking about the infinite light, even the infinite light that came down to this world, and again, it could be physical light, it could be spiritual light, emotional light, whatever type of light it is, even a little bit of light will take away a lot of darkness. A little bit of light will take away a lot of darkness. Not only that, and there's a step further, when the light comes in, the little bit of light to take away the darkness, do you see a fight? Do you see a war? No. The light comes in, darkness goes away automatically. So you can see with physical light, the light goes in, doesn't fight with the darkness, the light goes on, the darkness goes away. Same thing also with, with mental light, emotional light. Once there's light, there's clarity, the darkness goes away automatically. As we see, Derek says, when initially Hashem created the world. So what happened when Hashem created the world, light and darkness, they, they got along. They, 
They were actually intertwined one with the other. It's hard for us to comprehend it. But when Hashem originally created the world, light and dark, today it's either light or it's dark. And if it becomes dark, it's not light. If it's light, it's not dark. But when Hashem created the world, light and darkness were able to intermingle. Now, what happened, as the Torah tells us, by Yavdeh Lakim, Hashem made a differentiation between oil, between light, and between darkness. This is light, this is darkness. But after Hashem differentiated, this is light, this is darkness, and the light is by day, and the darkness by night, etc. But what happens after Hashem differentiated light and darkness, a little bit of light throws out the darkness. So based on the service says, on a simple level, how could it, light throw away the darkness? And the answer is, and it doesn't have to fight with it, because when it comes to light, there's no exile. Because the darkness and the darkness of exile goes away automatically. Very powerful component. Before we go for further, to recap. So the is going to use this as a springboard to understand something deeper. Again, to recap. Light and darkness. In light, there's no exile. In darkness, there's exile. Light is nothing. A real nothing. And darkness is a something. Light doesn't have to fight with darkness. Even a drop of light will push away a lot of darkness. The Rebbe uses this as a mashal, a parable, to, to two components that we, every one of us have. We all have a neshama, a godly soul, connected to light, and we all have a body connected to darkness, the light in the vessel, which is similar to the light in the vessel. Now, there's a famous saying from the uh, previous Rebbe, and he says like this, that we are in Gullus, but the Freezer Rebbe said as follows, only the body is in exile. Only the body is in exile, not the soul. Just like light and darkness, light is not in exile, and darkness is exile. The same thing also, we have a body that's in exile, unfortunately, and the soul, and the Neshama is not in exile. In other words, but you're going to say, what do you mean? My soul is in my body, and my body is in exile. True, that's correct. The soul is in the body, and the body is in exile. But in a shama, there's no exile. Powerful. Light, no exile. Darkness, exile. Neshama, no exile. Body, exile. The neshama is in the body. Guess what? For the body, there's exile, and for the neshama, there's no exile. Now, the body is in exile, 100%. But the problem is, the soul is not in exile. But where is the soul? The soul is in the body. Is the body its place? No, it's not its place. The soul is not in its place. Where does the soul belong? With Hashem. So what does the soul want? Veshaveha. Take me back to where I belong. Take me back to Hashem. Like the famous line that says, Ani Yashena. I'm sleeping in exile. But believe me, my heart is a wide awake. And was, even though at times I'm sleeping in exile, we get lost, we get distracted. But my neshama, my heart, is totally awake with Hashem. Why is that? Because our souls that we have is a part of Hashem, literally. We're literally a part of Hashem. And as mamish actually goes, goes both ways. Even when the soul is in a way of mamish, you, know, so you can actually feel the physical world. What does that mean? The soul is in a mamish, in a physical world of the body. 
But nevertheless, it's still chelak alakha. Even when the neshama goes into a mamish of a body, it's still part of Hashem. Up until the point where it's called chelik elikami mal mamish, it's a part with the one with Hashem. And like the Balshemta, we all know the Balshemta, the founder of mysticism says that when you touch something of the essence, you're touching the whole essence. When you touch something, part of the essence, you're touching the whole essence. So therefore, even after the neshama comes down into the body. And the only one that can make that happen, think about it, the infinite neshama goes into the body, Hashem could do that. Hashem can make that happen. And even when the neshama is in the body, and even during Golas, the neshama is not in exile. The body is in exile. The neshama is not in exile. So based on this, Rebbe says, when the verse says, V'shoveho, what is it referring to? It's referring to a, the, the part of the Jewish people, and it's not only referring to a certain type of the Jewish people like we learned before. No, it's referring to the neshama of every single Jew. Vishaveha. It's referring to the soul of every single Jew. Why? Vishaveha, they're lost here because the neshama is not in Gullus. And you don't have to have the uh, with Tipad. You don't have to redeem the soul. The soul doesn't need redemption. It just needs a way back home. Vishaveha, take me back home. But it needs to be go back home. Why does it have to go back home? Because right now it's in the body. And, and the soul gets affected from the body, from the environment, etc. Um, the fact that the body's in exile. And the, therefore the soul is in exile. And therefore, what does the soul want? It wants to go back. Vishaveha goes back to Hashem. Now, just to recap before we go further. So what Derbe is saying is like this. Recap. Oyer. There's no gullus. Kalim is gullus. Neshama, there's no gullus. Guf is gullus. We each have a neshama, a part of God, which is in our guf. The guf could be in gullus. The neshama is within the guf that is in gullus. So the neshama just wants one thing, Bishabad, take me back home. This is not my place. I don't, I don't belong here. I don't belong in a body. I don't belong in gullus. I want to go back home. So if that's the case, why didn't the Shama come down here? If it, if it doesn't get involved in Gullus, and doesn't get affected by Gullus, and it still stays connected to Hashem, why did it come down here? Why did even come down to this world? So we all know, the Rebbe says, that the purpose of the of the, the Shama going down in Gullus is one reason only. It's for the Tzorich Aliyah. That the Shama should have an elevation. What does that mean? Because when the Neshama comes down to this world, and guess what? In heaven, it's connected to Hashem. It doesn't do anything. But when it comes down to this world, it has to work hard. Because it's Golos. Golos is, is creating a conflict. The body is creating a finite struggle for the soul. And it has to work hard to learn and to pray and to do mitzvahs. And the soul works with it and overcomes all the challenges. So then what happens then is it's going to merit a tremendous revelation in the future, which is even going to be higher than the tremendous revelation that took place in the time of the Bet HaMikdash. Well, why is that? Why is that? Why is it the Neshama is on high, connected to Hashem, it has to come down to this world, it has to go through the struggle, and then you know what's going to happen is a revelation that the Neshama is going to have Later, when Mashiach comes, it's going to be much stronger than before, and even stronger than times of the base of Mikdash. And Rebbe explains a famous line that says, Ki Yisroin ha'oyr min That means you have light, 
and you have darkness. Light was always light. But what happens if you have light, and then it also becomes dark, and then it becomes back light again. So when it becomes light after the darkness, or if you take darkness and transform into light, so this, even though technically it's the same light as before, the answer is no, it's a much stronger light. In other words, through the fact that there's choshech, there's darkness, you actually becomes more power in the light. And the light is actually more powerful than before. So you have light, 1 to 10, 10. Let's even say it's a 10. Then you have darkness, and the light starts shining from the darkness, it goes 10 plus, it goes even higher. Not only that, but the more the choshech, the more the darkness, so the light, now let's say, let's say the tar- darkness is, let's say, 10. So the, the light goes from 10 to 20. Let's say the darkness is 20. So the lightness goes up to 20, goes much stronger. So the greater the darkness, the light that comes afterwards is much greater. So therefore, based on the Sarah explains as follows. What causes the neshama to go into Golas? How does it go into Golas? It goes into Golas through what? The darkness of the body. Now, so since the, the, the darkness of the body causes it to go in, gul- in the Golas, so therefore the, with the, the elevation of the light to the neshama, which is going to be in the, in the future when Mashiach comes, which happens through Golas, through the body, <coughs> So therefore, the elevation of the light is going to be much stronger, specifically through the, through, through the body that went into Gullus. And it looks like this. <clears throat> Everything is really part of Hashem. But when the Neshama comes down to this world, it has to deal with the body, which is in Gullus. So then the Aliyah that the Neshama has is even much greater than before. And never explains it based on... Um, uh, idea, this idea which is explained elsewhere in Chassidus and he explains like this that this that we say that the Neshama gets elevated by coming down into the body there's two components to it why the Neshama gets stronger we're saying is that when the Neshama comes down to the body so the, the Aliyah, the elevation of the soul is much greater so there's two reasons, two components why? it sounds like this When the neshama is on high, what's stopping it from serving Hashem? It prays, it learns, it does mitzvos, whatever it's able to do on high. When it comes down to this world, it, so it has to deal with a body. Not only a body has to deal with an animal soul. So guess what? You can just give up. Listen, Hashem, you want me to learn? You want me to pray? You want me to do mitzvos? Take me to heaven. Down here, I have to deal with a body that has its wants and its needs. After what an animal soul keeps on playing tricks on me, so I'm giving up. You could do that. It's not a smart choice. But what happens if you decide, no, even with the opposition, and even with the struggles, and even with the restrictions of the body and the animal soul, I am still going to learn, I'm going to pray, I'm going to do mitzvot, I'm going to make sure Hashem is revealed in this world, I'm going to be happy, I'm going to get along with everybody, I'm going to stay connected to Hashem. What happens then is the neshama brings out in a revealed way its powerful connection to Hashem. In other words, like this. There's no question the neshama is connected to Hashem. But in heaven, before it comes down to this world, how do you know? We know what's we know in theory. In this world, what, what happens is the neshama gets revealed how powerful and how much it loves Hashem. How do we see that? Because even with the concealment 
and the uh, um, uh, uh, the concealment of the body and the animal soul, it doesn't doesn't get affected. It's still it's strong and it gets even stronger, and it doesn't take away from its relationship with Hashem and its connection to Hashem. So, in other words, the first point you were saying is that when the neshama comes down this world and deals with all the concealment and all the distraction of the body and the animal songs connect to Hashem, now we see in a real way how strong it is, because it had opposition. Through the opposition, the real power comes out in the revealed way. That's point number one. The second component is that when the neshama comes down to this world and um, <clears throat> it works with the, with the animal soul and it works with the body, so not only, the first part was that we see how powerful the godly soul is. That's component number one. The second component is that it actually transforms and purifies and refines the body and the animal soul and the physical world. So it's actually doing work of elevating the body, elevating the animal soul and the whole physical world. And what's the difference? The difference is like this, between, between the, the, the two insights what happened. In the first case, what are we talking about? We see the power of the light. The power of the light. Where does it get revealed? Through the darkness. And where do we see how powerful the light is? Through the darkness. And notice what gets revealed is the power of the light. That you can have this, this tremendous darkness. It can be extremely dark. It does not stop the power of the light. So the first component shows the power of the Yisra and Ur, how powerful this light is. That's the first component. What does the second point bring out? That the powerful light is that it's even able to transform the darkness. And it is that the darkness, which we call the body, the animal soul, the physical world, gets transformed into light. So what's the Yisrael, what's the, what's the extra component here? In other words, because in order to transform darkness, that the body should recognize God, the animal soul should recognize God, the world should recognize God, who can do that? The only one that can do that is the essence of Hashem, which is not limited to body, place, etc. And not limited to light and darkness. So what happens is when the neshama works with the body and works with the animal soul and works with the world that it should be connected to Hashem what gets revealed then is the real power of the atmos, the essence of Hashem. So in the first component it shows the power of the light. Light's very powerful. Here when you transform the world not only does it show the power of the light it actually shows you bring the power of the essence of Hashem that creates a transformation in the physical world. Not only that, never takes it a step further. That when a person goes so far, and you in this world with all the challenges and all the struggles, you still learn, you still pray, you still mitzvahs. So it shows a the power of the light of the neshama. You bring in the infinite light of Hashem that helps you transform the world, and by doing that, you actually fulfill the tremendous desire that Hashem had. Which we know what was Hashem's desire why he created the world. Hashem had a desire to have a dwelling place where? In a place where it's dark, or a place where there's opposition to godliness. And that's where Hashem wanted to have a, 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 a place for himself. 
And this Ava, when we say Hashem had a desire, it's not an external desire. He thought about it, he felt it. No, that's the essence of Hashem. So you're actually fulfilling Hashem's essence. You're bringing Hashem's essence into the world. And like the, the Rebbe brings from the Tanya, from the Alter Rebbe, he says like this, that the intent of the Neshama to come down into this world wasn't for the soul, but the purpose is to transform the body, to transform the animal soul, and to transform the physical world. Why? Because when a person transforms the body, that the body should love Hashem, the animal soul should love Hashem, the world should recognize Hashem, we fulfill the intent of Nisaba Kadesh Baruch Hu. Hashem had a desire to have a dira b'taktoinim. Now, so what happens like this? When the neshama comes down to this world, it creates an elevation in the soul on many levels. A, the soul, the the oil comes much stronger. B, the world gets transformed, transformed, and you're bringing out the essence of Hashem and fulfilling His dream of in Hashem wanted to have a dwelling place down here. And what is the ultimate? The ultimate is not just to show the power of the neshama. The ultimate is the transformation and the refinement of the body. That's why the neshama comes down to this world. Each and every one of us, our mission. The goal of our mission is to elevate the world. That's in our personal mission. But what is the ultimate transformation which is going to be revealed when Mashiach comes of the whole exile that we're in, the global exile? That where is the ultimate elevation going to be? In the physical body, in the physical world. In other words, the Yisrael Ha'ayr, the powerful light that's going to be in the soul and the neshama through the darkness of the world is by doing what? By showing that even if you're living in a world that's dark and it's full of struggles and full of challenges, the neshama stays connected to Hashem. That means even though it's in a body, and even though it's with Nefesh Bahamas, and even though it's in Gullus, the neshama is not in Gullus. The neshama stays connected to Hashem. But on the other hand, the power of the body is that the darkness of the body, while it's in Gullus, which is huge, the darkness, the, that body and that animal soul gets transformed into light. Not only that, a step further, that the darkness, which is in Gullus, the dark darkness becomes light. And by the darkness becoming light, we're literally fulfilling the intent of Dira Betachtoinim. Because when we take this world and we make the world a godly place, Hashem is here. Where is Hashem? In the lowest places where you would never think Hashem would be there. And the Rebbe says, we all know that when Mashiach comes, that the Neshama, which on the one hand was not, you know, it's not in Gullus, but it, it doesn't get affected by Gullus, but it's, it's captured here, and it works to transform itself to stay strong, it works to transform the body, so, and it, it, God willing, it accomplishes mission. so Mashiach comes, the Neshama, that came down through the mission, that elevated the body, elevated the world, it's going to get its energy from where? From the body. The body is going to have such power when once it gets transformed, Mashiach comes, that the Neshama is actually going to get energy from the body. So based on this, the Rebbe explains as follows. <clears throat> that when Mashiach comes, the Neshama is not only going to have 
the Yisra and Ha'ari that comes from the Choyshech, but literally the Choyshech itself is going to provide it light. The Choyshech of the body, the Choyshech, the darkness of the world is going to provide the soul light. In other words, even though the body becomes light, so technically you can say the, the body was transformed to something light, but the Neshama is also going to receive from that powerful energy. Like Yerba says, it's known like when the Neshama comes down to this world. So what happens is, so the Neshama gets elevated by the, by the body and the animal soul once it gets transformed. In other words, besides the fact that through the concealment of the body and the animal soul, so what happens then is, the, the Neshama gets awakened from within inside tremendous powers to work harder, which it didn't do, which, which didn't, which wasn't doing until it came down to this world. But even more so, when the neshama comes down to this world and it and transforms and refines the body and the animal soul, there actually becomes a um, a, a, a powerful quality where the neshama is actually able to get light and energy from the from the body and the soul. And like the Rebbe brings a famous uh, um, verse in the in the in the in the, in the Shir from from the Shleimah Melech. He says like this. What does that mean? <clears throat> Draw after me in a rutza. Rutza means plural. We'll run together. That when the never shall a kiss from the godly soul affects in the animal soul that it shall have avas Hashem. Who loves Hashem? The, the, the godly soul loves Hashem. But when the godly soul inspires the animal soul that it should have a love for Hashem, and not only should I have a love for Hashem, but it should be in Arutza, that the animal soul should want to run after Hashem because it loves it so much. So then the Arutza means that not only the animal soul is going to run to Hashem, but the godly soul is going to run, Acharecha, plural. They're both going to have a, a, a running to Hashem. So what happens is the godly soul inspires the animal soul to connect to Hashem. The godly soul inspires the animal soul to love Hashem, to run after Hashem. And then the godly soul runs together with the animal soul even quicker than before. Now, today in this world, the fact is the neshama is still the mashpia. He's the one, the neshama is the godly soul, the one that's you know, giving off light to the animal soul. And the body is the receiver. He's, see, he's getting the inspiration. But this idea that we're saying that the neshama is going to receive from the body, it's not complete today. Yeah, it gets inspired. Wow. But the ultimate transformation is going to be Mashiach comes. And then what's going to happen is, even though today the neshama is a mashpia and the, and the guf is the makabal, today the neshama is inspiring, then the, the neshama will be able to be the makabal, the mashpia, and the mashpia will be the guf, giving it powerful, powerful light. So based on this, Rebbe explains beautifully the verse, and he says like this. Now he explains the verse that says, b'tzedakah. What does that mean? Why are we, to recap, why are we called Tzion? What does Tzion mean? Tzion means the fact that we're learning Torah, we're praying, we're doing mitzvahs, which bring to all, all, all Torah mitzvahs. And when a person learns Torah and prays and does mitzvahs, we're called Tzion. Why? Because we learned before that Tzion is a sign that even though that we're in Golas, even that we're in exile, but if we learn Torah, we pray and we do mitzvahs, we have a sign. We're connected to Hashem. And we're not, we don't get lost between the nations of the world. Or like, for example, like Jeremiah gives an example, according to Jewish law, if you lost something and it has a sign that it's yours, an insignia, you have to return it. 
So as long as you're learning Torah, learning and doing mitzvahs, you're praying, Tzion, we have a sign that we belong to Hashem. Not only that, when a person learns Torah and does mitzvahs, in Golis, so what happens is, not only do you have a sign, but you get actually, an, you get elevated higher than when it was the times of Beis HaMikdash. And the elevation takes place on two levels. One is, that when a person does his work in Golis, means when it's hard to do the work, so what happens is the sign is that the air, the light, is much stronger than before you came down to the world. Why is the sign much stronger? Because even though you're living in a world where it's dark, and very, very dark, the darkness of the, the body, of the animal soul, darkness of exile, and there was even the tremendous darkness of Ikhbis and Mashiach, before Mashiach comes even darker, guess what? It does not stop the soul of connecting to Hashem, and learns Torah and does mitzvahs, and the tzioin. It's not only a regular sign, but it's a strong sign. Why? Because the light is shining. Why? Because we have to work harder. And generally speaking, this light, Yisrael Oyer, is the light which is higher than vessels, which is infinite. But nevertheless, it has, has, a, it has a, 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 a definition of light, so it is on some level a finite. That's point number one. That's one level of the sign. And the second level of the tzion is that when a person transforms the darkness into light, so then what happens is the atmos, the essence of Hashem gets revealed, which is even higher than the level of oir and choyshech. So the tzion is really, really powerful. So tzion again is the fact that we're learning Torah, praying and doing mitzvahs. The tzion is that the light is very, very strong. And the tzion is that what? That the world gets transformed and we see the light of Hashem. Now, the Rebbe says this verse is the um, <coughs> is the the end of the Haftorah of this Shabbos, and the name of the, the Haftorah is called Chazon Yeshayahu, the vision of Yeshaya. Now we know what is what was Yeshaya comes from the word of Yeshua, salvation. So what are we referring to? Salvation and the true salvation. What's the true salvation? Which is the redemption. The ultimate redemption. That's the true salvation. When it's not going to be exile afterwards. And that's why it says in the, in the, in the prophet, it says, um, the first, a chazon show, that he, that he prophesized, be may in the days of Yecheski Yohu. And we all know the Talmud says, Hashem wanted to make Yecheski Mashiach. So we're dealing with redemption. We're dealing with Yecheski Yohu that Hashem wanted to literally make him the Mashiach. And it's referring to what? The, the tremendous quality which is going to happen in the ultimate redemption, the ultimate gula. And specifically, on the second level, which is the ultimate of the exile, where the world is going to get transformed. And that's why it says, the expression of tipada, be redeemed, you have to be redeemed. That means we don't even belong here. In other words, why is it used both expressions? Because the elevation of both expressions represents as follows. That Tipada is referring to the body. That the body is in Golos. And the body that's in Golos, every time we struggle with the body to learn Torah and pray and do mitzvah, so we're actually redeeming the body. So the Tipada is referring to Tzioin, but Mishpah Tipada referring to redeeming the body that's in Golos. And the Shavah is referring to the soul, which is going to return to its home place where it belongs. And that's why it says, when it, uses, when it says it uses the expression of mishpat, and when it says the shavel, it uses the idea of tzedakah, of charity. Why? Because, and they're explained very powerful. 
again, so let's just recap before we get, so we get a clear picture. Tzion is referring to learning Torah, praying, doing mitzvahs. B'mishpat, tipad, that means it's referring to the body that has to be yanked out of mishpat, and we'll to explain what mishpat means. B'shavet is referring to the neshama, which is not affected by galus, but the idea of tzedakah. Why? Because this, that the body is going to be transformed and be elevated, that's mishpat. Why? Because since the, the body is in Gullus, and it's involved in, unfortunately, it's part of Gullus, and, but the body gets transformed from darkness to light, so therefore, once the body is transformed, so it's owed to him, the Mishpat. And it's tzion, when a person takes the body, and you pray, and you learn, and you daven, and you do mitzvahs, and you basically take the body that's in Gullus, Mishpat, it's only just, justified that you should go out of Gullus. However, this, that the neshamas and galos, <clears throat> why should it get elevated to a high level? It's, it's, it's like skir- it's skirting through galos. True, it has to deal with the body, but the neshama never really got anchored in galos. So why should it reach a level, the same level as the body, where it gets transformed? So the says, that's Mr. Shabab, it's Daka. The fact that the neshama is going to get elevated through the body, that's Saka, it's Daka from Hashem. And the says, possibly you can say, that even though, on one hand, we just learned that the guf gets elevated to a very, very powerful level, and ultimately the neshama is going to get from the guf, and the fact that the neshama is getting is only from staka, but nevertheless, Rebbe says, in a certain component, there is an elevation, there is a uh, a powerful component to the neshama over the guf. Why? Because the elevation that the guf has, the body has, what do we say? Bamishpat. See him bamishpat ipada. Even though it's transformed and it's owed to it, but it's only a mishpat. What is mishpat we learned before? Mishpat means justice. Justice means a calculated, a calculated gift. So there's a limit to, to, to the, to the tremendous, the revelation. On the other hand, Mishabeha, when we refer to Neshama, so even though he's getting it from Staka from Hashem, because the one that really did the work is the body, but nevertheless, it's Daka, which means he's getting it from Staka, which is above calculations, Lamaila Medida Bagbala. So again, just to recap, so the Rebbe is saying it's like this, the Tzia means that we're talking about the body, the body that's in exile. The mishpat, the pod, that means it learns Torah, it prays, it does mitzvot. So it's only right it should go out of Gullus. But guess what? It's going to get a finite. Vishaveha, on the other hand, the neshama, why is it, why is it getting the tremendous light? The one that will did the work is the body. But stuck, it's a gift. But nevertheless, even though it's a gift, it's a much higher gift. And never finish off and he says like this. The, ain't, the, the, the verse is not, you know, you cannot, even though we have this deep insight according to Kabbalah and Chassidus in this, in this verse, but the said you cannot take the verse out of its literal meaning. And specifically we know that when you learn the simple shot, you actually, through learning the simple shot, you get to the essence of Torah. Why? Why is that? Because shot, simple understanding of a verse, is an oil masiyah, in this world. And specifically in this world, we know that's where you accomplish Jerbatakhtoinim. So even though you will learn esoteric teachings, very heavy stuff, but you gotta go back to the basics. What does the verse literally mean? Because when you learn literally, that's in this world. And Jerbatakhtoinim, where does Hashem want us to make a dwelling place? In this world. <clears throat> so therefore, Derba says, this is one of the reasons, even according to Chsidot, according, uh, according to Kabbalistic ideas, that when you learn with a child, a young child, a child that does not have any sin, how do you learn with him? A child you don't learn with in Kabbalah mysticism, you learn simple. What does the verse say? What does it mean? 
And the same thing also that applies to us. This verse of Tiyoyim B'mishpati Pada, that we're going to be redeemed, we're going to be taken out of captive with the, with the gift from Hashem. That what does this, what does the verse mean on a simple level? That we're going to have, we're going to be redeemed and we're going to go out of exile. Literally. And what we're going to go out with the, we, we, with the redemption, the true redemption, the complete redemption through Mashiach to Kenu and it's going to happen. Bikari Mamish very, very quickly by Goldie down right now here in this world in a literal level. So what was saying is it was like a powerful Hasidic discourse, powerful Kabbalistic insights into different levels of the Neshama. But we have to remember the goal is that Hashem should take us out of Gullahs and we'll all go to Yerushalayimir Kodesh and God willing next class will be in Eretz Yisrael, in your Shlaim Erech everyone together with Mashiach Tzadkenu. Have a great and blessed week.